Thanks for listening to our Market Street podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more information, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Well, Merry Christmas to those of you that are in the room with us today. Those of you that are watching online, Merry Christmas to you. And man, I tell you, those of you that are watching online, it is worth showing up here for this one simple reason, and that is for because of Bake Shop 323 uh, that is available in our 12 Stones Cafe. It is just amazing, the, the Ashley Packwood. This is a ministry for them, just, just in tremendous goods that are available to, to those of us that are here in the building this morning. So grab one if you haven't gra- grabbed one, if you're in the room here with us today. We are also in, in the middle of a series that oh, we call Christmassy, and we spell that a little bit different. We're just trying to say how sometimes the Christmas season can be a little messy, can it? can be a little messy, especially if you have, you know, kids in the home and, and Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you're opening up presents. And, and if, you're like, you, if you're like me at my house, there's wrapping paper everywhere. I mean, it is the excess amount of, you know, things that we dispose of around Christmas season just is astronomical and understand. Understandably so. It's a, it's a fun time of year, but boy, can it be messy. And maybe uh, in your house, just like in my house, there's you bake goods, right? You bake some things, and that, that can make for a pretty messy kitchen. My kids the other night were decorating Christmas cookies, and I, and I have, I'm like, have like a cleaning uh, disorder, and there's just glitter, and there's, you know, stuff everywhere all over my house, powder, oh my goodness, it was just, and I had to like leave the room or my head was going to explode, that's the way that it was for me, but more importantly, there's, maybe this is a time of year where, you know, it's not necessarily the most happiest season for you, that this, this time of year may be uh, hard for you, this may be a challenge for you, that it isn't really that all that merry, that it's kind of messy. And, uh, and you're not really even sort of taking any kind of delight uh, around this, this time of year. It's, it's just been difficult for you. And so uh, we, we love you and we pr- are praying with you. And, and we believe uh, that God has better things and greater things uh, in store for you in your future. But uh, again, Christmas isn't, isn't Christmassy. It's Christmassy. That's what it is. It's Christmassy. Is what it is, and so uh, we we just have sort of been following along just with the the news of the birth of, of Jesus, and and an angel came to Mary and told Mary that you know she was going to have a child and it was going to be God's son, and Mary was kind of pondering what this would mean for her, and she knew that uh, boy what a, what an honor it would be to carry God's son, but at the same time practically understood that this was going to be very difficult for her. And she understood the challenges that she was going to have to face, uh, you know, showing and trying to share the story of, of an angel coming to her and the power of God coming upon her. And she was going to have to explain to her family. She was going to have to explain uh, to, to the man that she was engaged to. She was going to have to explain to her friends, you know, that, that story. And, and, and they were going to have a hard time believing it because Practically, of course they would. Of course they would have a hard time believing it. As a matter of fact, we looked at Joseph last week, and we, knew, we could see that Joseph did have a hard time 
uh, believing Mary's story, that, that God came to her and, and told her that she, you know, he, she was going to carry uh, his, his child. And, and he had his doubts. And we know that he had his doubts because he was getting ready to privately you know, send her away. He was getting ready to privately divorce her. I mean, talk about messy Talk about difficult. Talk about challenging. And, uh, and those were the circumstances surrounding, you know, the birth of Jesus. Those were the circumstances surrounding the first Christmas. It, was, it had its challenges. It had its, you know, hardships. And, uh, and, and those are real things. And that's real things, uh, real things in this life that we experience every single day. Day And so we just looked at a couple things of how we work, work through that. Mary decided, I'm just going to be a bondservant. God, whatever you want from me, I'm going to do. God, whatever you say, I'm going to say yes to because that, I believe that you have the best in mind for me. I trust you. And the same for Joseph. Joseph said, you know what? I, I have my doubts, but I'm going to do what's right. I have my concerns, but I'm going to do the right thing. And he, had, he was convinced, and the reason why he was convinced is because he was reminded of a story that took place 700 years before Jesus was born, of a story of how God is faithful and how God is trustworthy and that he can trust him. And, and that, was, that needs to be a reminder for all of us, that God is for you in the midst of these challenging times, that God is for you in the midst of this messy season, that you can trust him. You can trust him. So that's where we're at. So now Mary's, you know, she's getting ready to have this child. Joseph is, is convinced and he's, he's, you know, doing what he needs to do to take care of his wife and, and, uh, and to provide for, for them. And, and now the time is near where they're getting ready to have this baby. And then all of a sudden it goes like this. It tells us in Luke chapter number two and it says this. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. Now things are getting more messy. You know, here they are in their hometown of Nazareth, getting ready to have this baby. And then all of a sudden, this Caesar Augustus guy, you know, has a census or wants to take a census, wants to give a count so that more people can be taxed, so that the Roman Empire can get more money. And so, now, who is this guy? Well, Caesar Augustus, is, is, that's more like his, his title. That's his title. It's not actually his name. It's his, it's his title. His title, Caesar, means ruler. Augustus means revered. And so it, when, it, when it refers to Caesar Augustus, it's talking about his title. He's a, he's a revered ruler. He's the revered ruler. He's the, he's the dictator. He's the guy in charge at this, at this time. His actual name was Gaius Julius Caesar Octavius, but he went by the name of Octavian. Gaius Julius Caesar Octavius, but he went by the name Octavian. Now, here's what's so interesting. Hopefully, it's interesting for you as it is for me. Here's what's interesting about this guy and what this guy did during his reign and during his ruling at that time, at the time when, you know, Jesus was going to be born. First thing that, that, that Octavian did was, is that he changed power of the judicial laws. He changed the power of judicial laws. What the Jews went, once followed was their own laws 
and Octavian changed them over to Roman laws. Now all the inhabited earth would now have to follow the Roman laws. Now, here's why this is important and here's why this is hopefully interesting for you. It was predicted that this would happen Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds years before it happened. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 49, you should go back and read it later. It talks about how a scepter was changed hands. The scepter changed hands. And what that means is this. It was a prophecy of how the laws would change from one way or one people or one system to another and that would happen that would happen um, before the birth of the messiah that would happen before the birth of the messiah and that's exactly what octavian did now here's why that's important here's why that's important when jesus was crucified they they were following roman laws are you with me? Stay with me. They were following Roman laws. Crucifixion was a Roman execution. If they were following Jew, uh, Jewish laws, you know what would have happened to Jesus? What would have happened to Jesus was is the reason why he was arrested as a result of blasphemy because he was claiming to be, you know, the God, the Son of God, who he who he was. What the Jewish laws would have required was that they would have required him to be stoned to death. But the Isaiah, Isaiah would write that he would be, look what it says, that he would be pierced through our transgressions. And, and, and the Jews are reading this prophecy 735 years prior. They're reading this and going, what does pierced mean? What does it mean, pierced? And it says that he was, uh, he was, excuse me, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, they're like, what's scourging? What is that? We are healed. 400 years before crucifixion was even invented, Isaiah was talking about that our Messiah would be pierced for our transgressions. He would be crushed for our iniquities. He would be scourged so that we can be healed. You know who the reason why that happened? Was not because of an emperor named Octavian, but because of a God who orchestrated it years and years prior to that. Is this interesting at all? Because I thought that this was amazing. Here's, here's what you need to know. And, and Octavian did more than that. You know what Octavian also did? Or the Roman Empire with Julius Caesar, Octavian? You know what he also did? They circulated peacefully a common language. They circulated peacefully a common language. They orchestrated that they, uh, uh, and, and they issued out the fact that, that in the Roman Empire that there would be peace. 
There would be peace. And, and Rome is most known for their roads, right? You probably heard the saying before that all roads lead to Rome, right? You've ever heard this? this? You, and if you're a Christian, you've probably walked people through the Romans' road, right? And so that's what Rome is most known for. Rome established road, a road system, but they also established a safe road traveling system their their thing was hey, listen you're going to live in, in in our empire but you're going to be safe in our control you're going to be safe in our ruling now if you try to come up against us we're going to squash you and we're going to crucify you but other than that if you just you know sort of submit to our authority then you're going to be you're going to have peace because that's what we're, we're going to provide and as a result of their safety road travels there was a common language that was going around in that day and it also allowed for that common language to be spread that common language was the language of Koine Greek. Koine Greek. The Koine Greek, because of Octavian, was able to circulate all around the inhabited earth where everybody now spoke one common language. By the way, your New Testament was written in Koine Greek. You know why it was written in Koine Greek? Because everybody could read it. Octavian did that. No, 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 no. God used Julius Caesar Octavius to do that. What? You mean God uses a pagan person? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. God uses these, these, these tyrants, dictators, for his purposes. Yeah, there is pawns when he wants to do something. So the story goes on. That's, that's um, a little history lesson on Caesar Augustus or Octavian, if you're, if you're keeping notes. So this was the, uh, verse 2, it says this. It says, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And, uh, and it says, that, and, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his, his own uh, house now, or own city. Now, Quirinius also is sort of been a debate, okay? It, Quirinius is like, well, you know, historians, you know, sort of skeptics have, have done some research, you know, and, and they, they thought that, or they believed that, you know, well, this isn't accurate, this isn't right, because at the time when, you know, when Jesus was born, Quirinius wasn't governor of that time. Until, until not too long ago, there was an archaeologist called Sir uh, uh, William Ramsey, Sir William Ramsey, and he discovered, he, was a, he, 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 was a, he discovered that Quirinius wasn't governor once, but Quirinius was also governor a second time. He discovered that through, through his discoveries, you know, he discovered that Quirinius was governor also at another time, earlier time, but also at the time when Jesus was born. And here's what Quirinius did. You, you should write this down. This is amazing. 
At the time, it, it was a law that 15 years age and older, 15 years and age older, they were the ones that had to register. They, had the, they are the ones that had to register for a census. Now, Quirinius changed it from 15 years of age to the age of now 12 years old, you had to register for a census. Now, Mary was somewhere between the age. She could have been 15, but most likely Mary was somewhere in the ages of 12 and 14 years old. Who did that? God did that. God did that. And everybody was on his way to register for the census, including Mary. Why? Because she's of age to do that, between the ages of 12 and 14. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nather to, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David. That was the lineage of Joseph. Oh, by the way, but it was also the lineage of Mary as well. Amazing. We don't have time to get into all that. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Now, here's another thing that God did. Here's another thing that God did. A census led a very prego Mary to a foretold location. A census led a very prego Mary, pregnant, but you can also say prego. To a foretold location. Here's what God did. God said, hey, you remember the prophet Micah? The prophet Micah? Yeah, Micah said that the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Right? So Jesus met all their criteria. Right? He was born as a human. Check. Right? He was born as a Jew, check. He was born in the tribe of Judah, check. He was born of a virgin, check. And now, according to Micah, he needs to be born in Bethlehem. So therefore, a census had to have been taken so that Joseph and Mary Though pregnant, though not ideal travels, talk about messy, right? You're at the end of your term, and now you have to pick up your belongings, and you have to now go to 80-mile trip. This is, you're, not, you're not flying a, you know, a nice plane. You're not even riding on a smooth train, and you're not even in a fully gassed-up automobile. Boy, poor prego Mary, she's on a donkey. Does that sound fun to anybody, ladies? Can you imagine? Yeah, I hear, that's right, that's right. That's what you would sound like if you were nine months pregnant, riding on a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You would, you would make the same sounds. I love it, I love it. This is, this is messy. What's perceived as messy but what is beautifully orchestrated by sovereign, almighty God. To say, that child, 
told hundreds of years prior, that child needs to get to Bethlehem. And this is, I'm going to use this tyrant, and I'm going to use this Yahoo, and I'm going to use this piece of work. Maybe you're a piece of work. I don't know. We'll get to that in a second. It says that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. So now they've arrived in Bethlehem and they're there and the days were completed for her to now to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, okay, I know moms normally, you know, they'll clothe their children and she'll wrap them in swaddling clothes, but laid him in a manger? Like a, like a manger, and you, I know this is already ruined for you because you've heard this a thousand times, but a, it's a food trough for crying out loud. Why, was, why are you laying God's son in a food trough, Mary? Well, because there was no room for them in the inn. Oh, the poor innkeeper. He's probably up in heaven going, I didn't know it was him. If I knew, I would have kicked the other people out. You know, they didn't even pay their rent anyways. Like, I didn't know. It was so full. Everybody came into Bethlehem. It was packed. I didn't have any room. They showed up late. If Mary didn't stop to go to the bathroom 18 times, I probably would have got her in, right? Sorry, ladies. I'm just picking on you a little bit. There was no room for them. What a mess. She has to lay her child in a food trough. I mean, come on. The first Christmas was a Christmas, wasn't it? It's a Christmas. What a mess. But yet are you seeing, I hope you're seeing how God has just orchestrated all of it. That God sovereignly calculated all of it to, to fit his purposes and his plans. And what was perceived sometimes as a mess for us is God going, I know, but I'm working behind the scenes for you. Just hang on. Just watch. It's going to come. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep trusting. Be a bond slave. Do what's right. And what's perceived as a mess. God's going, I've got this. Oh, I've got this. And I'm going to use this guy that you never thought in, the, in a million years, and he never thought in a million years. I mean, he went by the name Caesar Augustus, the revered ruler. And God's going, I'm the only revealed ruler. You're just a little itty-bitty pawn in my plan of redemption that's it and the first christmas was a christmas and here's what's interesting about this time this period i mean it was the systems were solid in this time, the systems were solid. I mean, look, I mean, there was like Roman rule, you know? There was Roman rule. I mean, talk about a, 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 an empire, a people, a, 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 you know, a, a nation that, was, that ruled and, and wanted to keep things peaceful, yet they wanted all the glory, but they wanted to keep things peaceful. As long as you didn't come up against them, they were, you were going to be okay. 
I mean, that's what's happening within this, this time frame. The Greek reasoning was another. Whoop, went too far right. There we go. Greek reasoning. I mean, in this time frame, I mean, Greek philosophy was big. You know, you have the teachings, you know, that have already been circulated and the reasonings that have already been working their way around to Pythagorean and, and, and Plato and Aristotle and, you know, and all these different great Greek philosophers. I mean, you have Greek reasoning happening all around. And you have Jewish religion. You have the Jewish religion. I mean, you have a monotheistic God. You have a God who's just and, he's, and a God who's, who's fair. I mean, this is the setting around this time. And, and, yet, and yet it wasn't fulfilling the heart of man. And yet it was still empty, yet there was still a void, yet there was still something missing. Even though you had Roman rule and Roman authority, even though you had Greek you know, philosophies and Greek thinking, and Greek knowledge, and even though you had Judaism, which was a you know probably the premier faith of the day, you there's still a longing for something more. There's a longing inside of the heart of every human being that said, "Listen, even though I feel secure and safe culturally, even though there's great philosophies and teachings, and even though there's religion, there's still something missing. And just in the nick of time, Jesus was born. Jesus came. Because what you and I need more, listen to me, this is so, what you and I need more than a stable government, what you and I need more than great thinkers, what you and I need more than religion, is that we need a savior. That's what we need. More than anything else that we can find in this world even today. Because the systems of that day were solid, but there was still something missing. And God provided the thing that all of humanity needed. And that was a savior up from their sins. And Jesus was born. God with us. To save us from our sins. And to fill the void. To fill the hole. That all of humanity needs. That's what Jesus came to do. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, here's what God did with that. It says... In the same region, there was some shepherds. Whoa, 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 what? I mean, come on, come on. Shepherds? Like, it, it, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch with their flock by night. That's a weird turn. I mean, shepherds were like, they were like outcasts. Shepherds were considered, you know what they were considered? Shepherds were considered unclean. Shepherds were like, they weren't even allowed to go into the temple to do any worship. It didn't mean that they didn't have, you know, they didn't know God or have a relationship with God. They were just, they were just considered to be unclean and they, and they couldn't go and they couldn't worship. They couldn't offer any sacrifices. They couldn't really go to the temple and pray. I mean, 
But you know what else about shepherds? They were no-nonsense guys. They were no-nonsense people. They were no, they were no nonsense. You, you never wondered what a shepherd thought. He was going to tell you the truth. He was going to tell you the truth. Though they were humble, though they were compassionate, because as a shepherd you need to be compassionate, you need to care for your sheep that you've been, you know, sort of stewarded of and, you know, have accountability for. You had to take care of those sheep. Shepherd man, they were, they were no nonsense. And so here's God. He sees these shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. You know another thing about shepherds? They were courageous. They weren't afraid of anything. Shepherds had to fight off all sorts of different kinds of animals to make sure that their flock was protected. To make sure that no wolves got in and devoured their sheep. They weren't afraid of anything. And then all of a sudden... An angel, not multitudes of angels yet, one angel of the Lord suddenly stood before a bunch of shepherds and the glory shone around them and they weren't just frightened, they were terribly frightened. Now, just just as a side note, just as a side note, sometimes I'm a little leery when I hear people say, I saw an angel and it gave me the warmest, most comforting feeling in the world. And I go, and I think, I don't say it because I, you know, I don't want to offend you. I think, no, you didn't. And, and the reason why I say that is be, the reason why I don't say that out loud because I love you and I don't want to hurt your feelings. The reason why I think that It's because every time an angel shows up in the Bible, it's frightening. They mistake mistake angels with God himself. The response is, ah, get away, I don't know what's happening. Like, if you ever say, I just wish an angel would show up in the middle of the night, I would say, not in a, you would wet your bed probably, like, it wouldn't be, I shouldn't have said that. I, but it, you sh, don't, you don't ask for that. Back to the sermon. They were courageous, yet they were terribly frightened. And the angel, the angel, one, just one, just one, said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, in other words, are you listening? Are you, are you paying attention? Stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. I came from God. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Stand up, stand up again. They are in the fetal position on the ground. Like, get up, get up, get up. Behold, behold, I bring you good news of great Joy, which will be for all the people. All the people. And the shepherd's going, us too? Me? 
unclean, outcast, no nonsense, can't always get it together. They don't even let me come to church. I have to pray out in the field with my sheep every night. Us? And the angel would have said, yeah. Because the good news of great joy is for every single person. Every single person. There's good news of great joy. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you. For shepherds like us, you're pointing, you're looking at us, me, outcast, unclean, not worthy. For you, for you, a savior who is Christ, the Lord. And he goes on, and he says, he says listen, listen, this will be a sign for you. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes. That's no sign. Moms do that for babies all the time. And lying in a manger, huh? In a f- feed trough, in a food trough? Like, you're, gonna, you're, you're telling me, like, when we show up to this place where you're going to tell us to go, that, that, that we're going to find a baby in a stone sort of food trough where, like, cows eat from? Yeah, that's where you're going to find the Savior who's for you. And he brings good news and great joy. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of, multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men whom he is pleased. And when the angel had gone away from them into the heavens, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and Bethlehem then and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in that manger. And when they had seen this, oh, this is so important, this is so important. When they had seen this, they made known. Let me say that again. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which, which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, how did they hear it? Because the shepherds made known. How did they hear it? Because the shepherds made known what they heard and what they saw for themselves, what they heard from the heavenly host, and when what they went to go see for themselves, they made that known, and it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back. What did they go back to? They went back to shepherding. They went back to their jobs. They went back to the thing that they normally did. But this time, 
they're changed. But this time, they're made new. But this time, they have heard and they have seen, and now they're going to make, know, make known. That's what they're doing now. They are glorifying and praising God for all that they have heard and seen, just as had been told them. His love included them in a world that excluded them. And they wanted every single person to know that his love is for everyone. His love is for everybody. And the key, and the key for all of us, all of us, all of us, this is the key for all of us. Is that at some point in your life, some point in your life, you heard the good news. You heard the message of good news and great joy. And it brought joy to your life. And therefore, you see it for yourself. And now we should be people that are making that message known to some people. A few people, only people that we can have, you know, intimate, deep conversations with, only the people that we, you know, know very well and sort of, you know, know well enough to, to be able to speak truth. And no, 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 no. All people. Because you have and I have the best news in the world. And it's better than any government system or empire. It's better than any deep thinking philosophy. And it's better than any religion that this world has to offer. It is the relationship that you can have with a personal Jesus. And that's good news for you because he paid your debt. That's good news for you and me because he forgave you of your sins to those who put their faith in him. There's good news for all people. Why? Because he's extended grace to every single one of us. That's good news of great joy. It should be in our lives. So my question for you is this. Is the gospel the best news you've ever heard? I hope it is. I hope your life, that the gospel, which is the good news, means good news, which is, you know, believing that Jesus came, died for your sins, was buried, and he rose again. I hope, I hope that your, the news, the best news that you've ever heard in your life is the gospel. Is it? Is it? So people, with the good news of great joy, they've heard, they've heard it. They've seen it for themselves. They've heard it. They've seen it. They've seen it work in their lives. They've seen it transform them. Form them. They've seen it change them forever. They've seen that God is doing a work from the inside out. Even when their circumstances seem messy, they can see how God is orchestrating things. They've heard it. They've seen it. And now they share it. 
They share it. They want the world to know about it. They want it exhibited and demonstrated in the way that they live, in the way that they love. They want it seen and shown because you're not, you're not ashamed of it. You're, you're proud of it. No, no solution in this world will satisfy. Listen, I got the, I got the cure. I got the cure from your, from your unfulfillment. I got the cure for your dissatisfaction. I got the cure for understanding your mess. His name is Jesus. And he was born. And he was a savior. He is a savior and he died for you. But death couldn't hold him. And he conquered the grave. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father, and one day he's coming back again. And I just want you to be ready for that. You've heard it. You've seen it. Now share it. Be a shepherd. Be a shepherd. You know what shepherds do? Shepherds share. That's what they do. They share. Don't tell me, oh, I'm just, I'm, I, I, my past, you know, my past, I'm, I'm just not good enough. You know, God used Octavian. God used the shepherds. He can use you. Shepherd share. Shepherd share. Maybe, maybe, maybe that God has set up right now, right now, right now, in this day, in this day right now, where we live right now, that God has set up the laws for you to be able to speak freely. Maybe the laws are set up. I don't know how long that's going to be. But right now, we live in a country where we can speak freely of our faith. The laws are set up in that way. Oh, by the way, you have the ability to peacefully travel, to circulate a language. By the way, we live in a time where we have a common language. We have a common language. You understand what I'm saying for the most part. We have a common language. It's meant to share it. We're meant to share it. Maybe, oh goodness, oh this is going to really rub at you. Maybe God has preordained you to be at a location where you are today. Maybe God orchestrated all of that to where you are, where you are right now in this life, in this stage, in this position, in this community, in this city, right now. God preordained. You're like, no, no, no. Ford did that. No, GM did that. You know, no, no, no. God didn't. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Just like you say Ford did that or GM did that, the Rome said, no, 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 Caesar Augustus did that, and we can now look back and go, wait a minute, God did that. God did that. And the laws are established for you to share, and you can, and you won't get arrested. That's not true in some countries, is it? If you don't know that, you need to get on a plane and travel somewhere. But right now, we live in a country that you can share. So share. Right now, we, have a, we live in a world with a common, we live in a, a country, a place, a, a community with a common language. Share. Share. And you're in a location. 
You're in a city. You're in a community. You're at your job, where you're at. You're at your school, where you're at. You're wherever God placed you right here, right now. For what purpose? For what reason? To share. To share the good news and the great joy. Because it's for all people. Shepherds, share. Father, you, even in the midst of mess and uncertainty and challenges and difficulties and struggles, you're working. You're orchestrating. You're putting things in order. You're putting things in place. You're, you're working behind the scenes, even though we don't always feel it or realize it. That, but you are. And we trust you with that. Because we can look back at the first Christmas and we can see how you planned and orchestrated everything. How Mary probably didn't want to travel 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But you had a preordained location already set and in mind. That you had an orchestrated shepherds to be tending their sheep out in the field that night. And you showed yourself through those angels and proclaimed the message of good news and great joy, and, and you gave that to them to go and make known for what they've heard and what they've seen with their own eyes, and I pray that that's the, what we do. That's the way that we are. We've heard it because somebody preached it to us. We've seen it. We've seen it work in our lives, and now we want to share what we know already works. We share it. We thank you for choosing shepherds like us to share that message. You could send your angels. You could bring a multitude of heavenly hosts out of, into the world, this world. But yet you choose, you choose us. You choose people like us to share it. God, I pray, Lord, that that's what we do. That's what we do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.